we are focused on on the, the success of our service providers, them making more money, them them growing their business because our our uh, growth is tied directly to their growth. And so we're focused on getting the business over nine figures. We believe we have to get it over $100 million a year in revenue to then become part of the, I guess you could say, lexicon of the English language. So, mm. uh, you know, DoorDash, Instacart, Uber, Airbnb, these are just the default way that you do certain things. And so GreenPal needs to be part of that conversation. Why would you call somebody off a of Craigslist or Facebook or something like that to come do your yard maintenance when you could just download GreenPal? Why would you call the Chinese restaurant and order your your Chinese food when you can just download DoorDash? We want to be part of that same dynamic. And so th- we believe we can get there in five years. That's what we're driving towards now. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. And hey, today is a classic example um, of being able to adapt. And as you could tell, no lacy. And I am not using our regular studio setup. So I look like Oompa Loompa. But that's all right. You can be orange and happy just as well. And you can do podcasts without your without your co-host just as well, um, because we have a very special guest today. And I'm sure that today's guest is going to be able to speak to being adaptable, adapting in the face of changes in your business. And I'm really excited about today's guest because we're going to be talking um, to Brian Clayton. And what I love about this is it's not our normal type of entrepreneurial interview because typically because even though we deal with service providers this is the first time that we're going to be talking about or talking to someone in the landscaping lawn care industry which is still a service and he has found tremendous success i know a lot of us think like well landscaping like mowing yards like that's what you do when you're 15 but wait until you hear about the success that brian has been able to have by using an entrepreneurial spirit and delivering um, fantastic service to the world. And who doesn't need amazing landscaping and lawn care? So let's bring in Brian Clayton. He's the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. Brian, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. I always start off every interview on None of Your Business with the creation story. Um, and I'm sure that yours is, like everyone else, going to be absolutely fascinating. But tell us how we end up here. I know that we had a, a stop with Peachtree, um, an exit, and now here we are at GreenPal. Tell us the, the journey of what gets you here. Because a lot of times, especially when we interview successful people, it's easy to think, well, you know, of course, well, Brian, you were just born rich. And so, sure, you decided to have a landscaping, lawn care business, but that's easy if you have hundred million dollars. So tell us your story. How did you arrive here? Yeah, uh, wasn't wasn't born wealthy. Uh, wasn't born rich. I actually was forced into entrepreneurship by my father on a hot summer day back in the mid 1990s. He said, "Get off your butt 
I've got a gig for you. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And he made me uh, go cut the neighbor's grass. Luckily, he did that because I made, uh, I think, 20 bucks uh, in, in an hour. And that was amazing to me as a 15-year-old. And I, and I was just hooked. I was hooked on business ownership from that moment forward. Uh, the first thing I did was pass out a bunch of flyers all over the neighborhood. And by the end of that first summer, I had 10 customers that I was cutting their lawn every week. And I loved it. And I decided, well, I'm just going to stick with this little lawn mowing business and and see how far I can take it. And, and stuck with that all through high school, all through college. And when I graduated business school and college, I made a business plan. And, and over a 15-year period of time, uh, built one of the largest landscaping businesses uh, in the state of Tennessee where I live, eventually getting that that landscaping company over 150 employees, over 10 million a year in revenue. And 2013 was able to navigate the acquisition of that business. Uh, a national company bought it. And then after that, I took some time off. I was too young to retire, but I was able to kind of just spend some time thinking about what I wanted to do and and after about a year, I came up with the idea for Green Pal, which is the business that I'm working on now, which is the Uber for lawn mowing. And Green Pal is a 10-year overnight success. If you're a homeowner, you need to get your grass cut. You just download our app and someone comes out and takes care of it for you. Now it's nationwide in the United States, around 300,000 people using our app and doing uh, close to $30 million a year in revenue. Let's go back to the original company because it's... You're, you're, the beginnings are probably like a lot of people. Um, I have a lot of friends, male and female, who were sent out to cut the neighbor's grass. And a lot of us, myself included, um, we did okay in in high school, middle school. got you some money that you had, some spending money. Um, you continued on through college, which that that I can see that. But then what was that jump to like, I'm actually graduating college and I'm going to turn this into a career. What was that like? And what was that thought process? It was uh, one I remember very clearly, even though it was close to 20 years ago, I was a bit scared because I didn't want to be a lawn guy my whole life. It's not a real prestigious career path. Uh, and looking back, I think that the least sexy and least glamorous your business idea probably the greater your chances of success. And for me, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder and I thought this could be the thing uh, that helps me level up in life. Uh, this could be my this could be my lane, business ownership and this business in particular. And I was able to kind of just do the math and, and just through a process of, of, of duplication, figure out, well, okay, I've got three people helping me now. And if I could get that to six, and then maybe 10 or 15 and 30, you know, this could be a real business. And, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to, and it became less about cutting grass and more about just building the, one of the biggest companies in my market in this, in, in my industry. And, and it, that became the goal that became the ambition. And, and then after, you know, two or three years, uh, of growing the business that my goals and my, and why I was doing it evolved because that's what happens as you're, as you're growing and scaling a company. But in the early days, it was very much, it was very much a chip on my shoulder. I thought that this could be the thing to help, help me level up in life and, and just pour my soul into it. And that was what gave me the confidence to, to not go the traditional path of, of pursuing a career and, and working for a bigger company and just sticking with my landscaping business. 
Um, you know, and when we talk about you grew the company, just for reference for all of our viewers and listeners, we're talking about $10 million in revenue from landscaping and lawn care. Um, so that's not well beyond just a little bit of spending money for a high schooler. Let's tackle still in the first business. Um, and we'll come to Green Pal in a second, but let's tackle two of the biggest issues. Let's do first. Um, how did you find all of your employees? How did you find people that were willing to work for you? Because like you said, that's not like the most glamorous job, but you had all of these people that were willing to come out. I mean, and obviously you you had to have one, a lot of them, two great people um, because you are growing. So where did you find all of the human resource for this? Yeah, nobody teaches us how to do any of these things in, in business school or, or in any traditional uh, type of schooling. You're not taught how to recruit. You're not taught how to be a good manager, how to be a good leader, how to how to treat people the right way in, in a business context. And, and you're just, you know, you kind of have to learn these things on your own, particularly back in the early 2000s. And and uh, I had to do it wrong, the, the, the wrong way, every, every, every which way you could until I figured out the right way. And one thing that I keyed in on uh, in the early days was that you have your customers and you have a, a value proposition for your customers. And for us, we were just the most reliable, uh, the best solution, the best pr uh, competitively priced solution for them to maintain their, their, their landscaping. But then you also have your employees and your employees in a way are kind of customers also. You have to have a value proposition for them. Uh, that just makes sense for them to come work for you and join your mission versus anything else. And so, so the way I define value proposition is if I'm your ideal prospect, why would I do business with you versus anybody else? And the answer to that question always starts with because. And so if I'm your ideal job candidate, why would I come join your team and work for you versus anybody else? Because we have a four-day work week or because we have a a free college program or because we uh you know you'll be the the first or second employee of the business and you'll get a little bit of equity or because there has to be something that you're doing different than anybody else in the market and and for me it took me about five years to figure that out you know because i was just beating my head against the wall because we had high turnover just like everybody else you know you'd, you'd get somebody in and and train them and then they'd be gone and so it was a combination of creating a, a stronger value proposition than my competitors were and not just in the landscaping business but any trade and then also investing in the systems to train these people quicker faster more predictably uh than my competitors were and so, so we could we could get somebody up to speed uh in a matter of two weeks rather than six months and it took me a while to develop that system but that was one of the things we keyed in on some really great points in there i love that profit sharing element um that's something i think that goes a long ways in the entrepreneurial space because the entrepreneur um they're getting a, a lot of money if their company is performing well also i get it they have the downside risk there as well but I love that idea of sharing in the profits, however that, whether it's equity, phantom equity, however that's structured, um, bonusing, which is what we do. I love to bonus our employees basically based off the performance. That, that, that's a, a really great sort of add-on or perk or benefit to working with you. The second question, still on the first business. Obviously, so we, we build this incredible workforce. They're your calling card in this industry as well as the results. But 
you know, lawn care, it's a dime a dozen, but somehow you have found your USP for working for you. But what is, how did you market? What was the marketing plan? How did you get all of these clients in a crowded field where it's, it's kind of easy for someone to think that you're all the same? So how did you build your clientele? It's a great question. It's a hyper competitive business. And, and in, in many aspects, they kind of are all the same. Uh, there are some differences in quality and there are some differences in consistency and reliability, but you have to do some different things to stand out. And the, what, what we eventually keyed in on once we developed a sales organization at the core of our business, we began to really put ourselves in the shoes of our customers and try to figure out what they wanted and try to figure out how landscaping maintenance could help them get there. And so an example of that would be uh, it, we ended up selling a lot of six-figure contracts into apartment complexes. And, and so we would approach the property manager not from a standpoint of, hey, we want to come maintain your landscaping and we'll do it cheaper than the guy you're paying right now. We would approach it from, okay, well, what is your occupancy rate? And what is the, because the, the, the average occupancy rate in this market is 96%. And you're telling me you're at 87%. Here's how we believe that landscaping can help you get there. Uh, your, your show unit is over here. We believe if we revamp the, the curb appeal around the show unit and install some seasonal color there, it'll, it'll help dress it up. Uh, maybe we, we, we install this uh, floral display by the, the entrance and that'll help draw people in. Maybe we create this uh, little little planter area with some signage by the by the uh, roads uh, and help to, to help showcase maybe some discounts or or a free month or something like that. Maybe if we uh, created like a better presentation around the referral friend signage inside of the complex, let's work over the course of two years and let's let's try to get you know landscaping in the strategy of increasing that occupancy rate from 87 to 90 97 percent or whatever that was just one example of of dozens in, in terms of how we spoke uh the language that our customers were 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 thinking and talking and and fit into their strategy to get where they were trying to go rather than just being like a cost uh uh driver on the on the balance on the PL, we were more or less of an investment and an asset to them. It took a long time to develop that, but we really spanked the pants off of our competition for many years. I love it. Big thinking, not going after just necessarily the single family, um, some of those bigger contracts by answering a need. Um, absolutely incredible. You build your company and then along comes the um, private equity money looking to get bought out um, tell us about that. So on one side, I know that for the entrepreneur, um, at least in conversations and dinner conversations, that's like the holy grail. Everybody wants that. But I also know that when the money comes knocking, oftentimes people are a little bit um, reserved. They are like, well, you know, I built this whole thing. What was that like for you when you had the opportunity to exit um, money's come, money's being, money's on the table. It's being offered to you. What was that transition like? Walk us through kind of like the, the emotional feeling as that happened. It was <clears throat> very emotional and it was one that I was not prepared for. Uh, well, first off, selling the business was a challenge. You know, it took two years to, to get it sold. Um, learned a lot, grew a lot going through that process, was able to get the company acquired and then it was this weird thing because I had spent 15 years growing that business. It was very much a part of my identity. 
and no longer is it your baby. And now you are part of the transitional process of, of, uh, of, of, of handing it off to, to another team, another, another firm. And that was really re- weird because your people are looking to you for guidance. It's like, well, hold on. I'm not the leader here anymore. And it's just weird thing. It was, it was kind of like, uh, you know, an, uh, you're married to your soulmate and another man moving in the house. <laughs> you know, it was, it was strange. And, and, uh, it was just one that I kind of had to grit my teeth and get through but it was one that I was not prepared for uh, emotionally. I, I, I was just so focused on getting the deal done and, and getting it over the, the finish line that I wasn't prepared for almost like the melancholy that set in after that. And then, uh, and then I took some time off and then realized that there's only so many, you know, beaches that you can lay on. And I thought, well, it's time to get back in the game. What now? And, and I had the idea for Green Pal and, and recruited two co-founders and started working on it. And never looked back. All right, let's dive into GreenPal. This is a, a fascinating, fascinating company. Um, it's it's the marriage of, I mean, it's everything, right? So it's the gig economy, it's SaaS, and it's the service. It's bringing back the old school um, lawn care and landscaping service. Um, tell us about the company itself. What is it? Help us wrap our minds around it. Because yeah, when Uber came out, people are like, oh, well, what is it? How does it work? Like some stranger is going to pick me up in their own car and now everybody uses it. And you're saying that GreenPal is the Uber of lawn care. Explain to us kind of what the company is and what's the service that it provides and how it works. Yeah. To your point, uh, now to 2022, you can, from your smartphone, get groceries delivered. You can order food from DoorDash, get your Chinese food delivered or your pizza delivered just from touching a button. Um, you can get a car, you can book a spare couch on somebody else's house. And there's no reason why this industry that I spent 15 years of my life building and growing in, it I shouldn't be just as easy as that. And so that was the vision 10 years ago, and it's still the mission today. You, This chore of yard maintenance uh, should be just, as be just as easy as pushing a button on your phone and ordering your groceries or ordering a car. And that's our that's what we are building. That's what our mission is. And now we're nationwide in the United States. And so if you live in any major city in America, you can just pop jump on Green Pal, pop your address in. You'll get quotes from lawn care services in your zip code. You hire the one you want to work with and they come out and mow the yard for you and you pay them and schedule them right through the app for the rest of the season. And we have spent a decade working on this one problem, making it cheaper, faster, more reliable, more seamless, more convenient. And also on the other side of the transaction for lawn pros, making it to where they can make more money with less headache uh, and run their business in a more streamlined fashion is what our mission is. And and it's kind of authenticity as a as a competitive advantage because I, I know this industry very well and, and I've applied kind of all of those, I guess you could say firsthand like scars and, and experiences into building the platform. So I go on the app, I punch in my address, how do the other um, businesses know how to quote me? Do they have to come out or does it, how do I take a picture of my yard? How, how do we get the quote if they're not actually there? Great question. So it's our platform's job to streamline every single step of the process and use technology to make it more seamless and, and quicker and, and more efficient. So in the traditional sense, if you needed a quote for this type of chore, Somebody would have to come out and look at it. You maybe you know you leave a voicemail or a text message, and they leave you a written quote, or maybe they might email you something. That that whole turnaround is going to take two or three days. When you jump on the Green Pal, we then begin to work for you in terms of we take 
the aerial imagery of your lot, the street view imagery of your home. And then we also tap into other data pools to understand how big is the yard? How many square feet is it? And then you let us know when the last time it was mowed. If you have a fence gate or anything like that, you can upload a picture if you want to, but you don't have to. And then service providers get all of this rich data about your quest and they can quote it without having to drive out there. And so from a service provider standpoint, you can quote 10 or 20 customers in a couple of minutes rather than hours or days. And the reality is, is these guys and gals are, are busy riding all over town, cutting yards. They don't, they don't have a receptionist. They don't have an estimator. They don't have a back office. So it's our platform's job to streamline all that for them and make it to where they can quote two or three of these or 10 of these on the way from one job to another and not have to drive out to your property, look at it, eyeball it and, and give you a written quote. Um, so it's, it's more convenient for consumers to get pricing and availability very quickly. And then it's also a lot more convenient for pros to win more business and fill gaps in their schedule on the fly rather than having to dedicate like half their day to estimate it. Mm, that's that's a great feature. Um, what about what other products are, or services are available? Is it restricted just to mowing the yard or can I go on and get other um, landscaping services uh, through the app? Yeah, the the lawn mowing is kind of the glue that holds it all together. And it's also kind of like, kind of like the, the, the gateway into the platform. So once you get hooked up with a good lawn mowing service that you hire uh, through the, your GreenPal account as a consumer, you can then layer on all the other services you're going to need. So things like shrub pruning, seeding, gutter cleaning, um, uh, snow removal if you if you live in a northern states and leaf removal, all of these other things that you're going to need to get done, you can then layer onto your account alongside the lawn maintenance. The way the lawn mowing business works is the service provider makes their living off of those recurring stops and then they can add on other adjacent services. If you just need your shrubs pruned, it's really hard to get somebody to come out and only prune your shrubs if they're not doing the weekly lawn mowing. And that's kind of the way the industry works. And that's, that's the way we're oriented. I love this. This is absolutely fascinating because it's, it really is accelerating um, the ability for sort of these smaller entrepreneurs to be able to leverage an app to basically serve as their back office in a lot of ways. But it also is connecting them to prospects that they probably are not yet sophisticated enough to understand. Like you said, they're out doing the work. And so they're not running sophisticated email campaigns or funnels. Right. Um, whereas you could apply that for your app just to get more users on it. And you said, I mean, man, hundreds of thousands of users are already on the platform. So now if somebody's listening to this and um, they're like, this is great from the provider standpoint, because kind of what happens is as you're speaking, I still kind of hear like these bigger established lawn care companies um, would it work for like an individual? And if so, is there an age limit? How old do you have to be to be a provider on, on the app? Yeah, it's a great question. So actually it's the, it's the inverse. The bigger companies are not a good fit for our platform uh, because they already have their systems. They already have their processes. They already do kind of th things the way they do them. Where we're a really good fit is your one uh, one man or woman operators, uh, maybe your part-time like side hustles, somebody who just wants to mow yards two or three days a week, make an extra thousand dollars a week. 
we're a really good fit for them because we connect them up with all the customers that they want. We have helped them with all the bookkeeping. We get them paid within 24 hours. We do the marketing automation for them. So that's where it's a really good fit. And the bigger companies don't uh, don't get value from the platform and also don't really like the platform because let's say you are a uh, foreman uh, for one of these big companies like what I used to own and you're making, I don't know, $25 an hour um, running their routes for them. You can just jump on GreenPal and make $75 an hour for doing basically the same work. And so we, we help enable a lot more uh, people get into business for themselves and get to be a part of uh, not necessarily even the gig economy because these aren't gigs. This is really running your own business, but get into where you have agency over how much you make and 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 break down the barriers, whether it be mentally or, or actual barriers to getting into business. We help them kind of get through that and then match them up with homeowners that need their services. And so if you're a homeowner, you want that small service provider. You don't want the big company. You want the one man operator because they do a better job. So what about how old do you have to be? So you have to be 18 years old. Uh, you, you, uh, that's the minimum. But you also uh, you you have to verify that you have the proper equipment before you can onboard. Uh, you have to undergo a bank check. You have to undergo undergo an identity check. And you also have to have some references from some existing customers before we let you on. But then once once we let you on as a as a service provider, we then go to work for you trying to fill up your route, help you really get, you know, where you're making material income on the platform and, and getting as much work as you want. Well, that was going to be my next question, because, you know, you what's so great about this is you bring your experience from um, having run your previous business successfully in effect like you were the service side without the app and you've built it into this mammoth business and you can also give really great advice to your in effect clients the service providers on the app and you said i was i, I was wondering like what would be the basic minimum equipment because you know when we did this as kids we just kind of stuck in our neighborhood because we would you know push our little lawnmower over to the to the neighbor's you know, yard and now i'm thinking like i want you know i know that you know a lot of these big companies have these really big sophisticated tractors and ones that people stand up on um what is the minimum e in equipment investment to operate effectively at, on the service side in some markets, like uh, really densely populated areas like Southern, South Florida or even the Northeast where a lot of yards are, are very small, all you need is a push mower and, and ideally a commercial push mower, but you could get into the business for less than $1,000. As uh, the, the bigger markets with uh, bigger yards, like maybe the Atlanta area or the Indianapolis area or, or Nashville where I live, you're probably going to need something of, uh, with a bigger deck and that's going to probably start at 1000 go up to uh, five. 10,000. There's even mowers that, that are over $20,000, believe it or not. So as you first get started into the industry, you can start very small. We encourage our service providers to, to run their business debt-free. So start small, get a basic clientele, and then, and then reinvest the proceeds from your business into upgrading equipment because bigger, more efficient equipment makes you more money as a service provider. You can get in and out of these stops quicker, do a better job, save time, uh, save, save stress on your body. And, uh, and so we, we encourage people to not take out a bunch of loans and buy $20,000 equipment. They want try to get started with a thousand dollars or less and then build from there. I love that. And I love that you care. You know, one of the things with Uber and Lyft, um, the ride share, uh, platforms, 
is the 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 drivers just you know, they just show up and kind of punch in and drive and there's not it kind of are left to figure out how to make the most of it and a lot of them i talk to them have different strategies hang out by the airport or different things that they do what i love about this is that it's not so cold that's it you have a, a vested interest i'm hearing you say we advise our providers to run debt free we help them with their bookkeeping i mean in most of these other platforms um they're not advising them anything and they're not helping them with anything they just expect them to service um and i think that that's super special about your company um tell us about the next five and ten years where do you see this going yeah we we are focused on one thing and i, I appreciate that we are focused on on the, the success of our service providers them making more money them them growing their business because our our uh, growth is tied directly to their growth. And so we're focused on getting the business over nine figures. We believe we have to get it over $100 million a year in revenue to then become part of the, I guess you could say, lexicon of the English language. So, hmm. uh, you know, DoorDash, Instacart, Uber, Airbnb, these are just the default way that you do certain things. And so GreenPal needs to be part of that conversation. Why would you call somebody off a of craigslist or facebook or something like that to come do your yard maintenance when you could just download green pal why would you call the chinese restaurant and order your your chinese food when you can just download doordash we want to be part of that same dynamic and so we believe we can get there in five years that's what we're driving towards now love it i have no doubt that you will definitely definitely get there um, I love this tell us a little bit about the other two co-founders what role did they play in, in getting us here today yeah, so when you're co-founding a business, ideally you you get a hacker and a hustler. You know, you get somebody who knows the tech side, and 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 somebody who knows the business side. We uh, we had three hustlers, and so no no tech, and so we had, <laughs> we had to learn how to build software. We had to learn how to how to do these things ourselves, and so I kind of tackled some of the front end uh, engineering along with the business side and growth side. Uh, my my other co-founder went to uh, software boot camp and has be effectively become our CTO. And then my third co-founder is a product guy and PR guy. So, so he literally has been on local TV or national TV over 300 times in the last five years, uh, uh, talking about green pal, green pals launching in your city. And, and so that's what he focuses on is, is PR getting the word out. And it's been a really good marriage. I, I guess what I've learned is, is that as, as co-founders, you don't have to have these titles, as as engineer or product or designer you just kind of have to be sufficiently like motivated to learn the 80 20 of these things because that's how it unfolded for us man i can't agree more i i always tell people the people try to create a title and then hire someone into that role like oh i'm looking for a, a cmo and then when we start to ask them well, what what do you think they'll do and then sometimes it does fit the bill and sometimes it's kind of this hybrid <laughs> thing and i always tell them like why don't you just hire people we get right. the right people, they can learn skills. Like skills can be learned, but I mean, being nice, um, coming from a place of integrity, um, those oftentimes aren't so learnable. It's sort of in your, it's, yeah. it's in the fabric of who you are. And so curiosity, ambition, chip on their shoulder. These are the things we look for. And then we kind of grow into them. Remind us again, how many users and in how many cities are you? We're nationwide in the United States. Uh, any city over 20, 30,000 people, you can uh, use GreenPal to get your lawn mode and close to 300,000 users using that. That's, that's amazing. I mean, man, this is definitely 
definitely going to be a wild success. Tell our listeners and our viewers two questions. First of all, remind us again, how do we get GreenPal? Just download GreenPal in the App Store or Play Store. Just download the app, pop your address in, you'll get hooked up with a good lawn mowing service. And then anybody wants to reach me personally, you can hit me up on Instagram, Brian M. Clayton. That was the second question because look, um, yes, I want everybody. In fact, I'm just going to tell you, get make sure you get at least download GreenPal because the downloads count. Um, even if you're not using it, I would prefer that you download it and use it. And then obviously you can tell that Brian has an awful lot to offer as a human being, right? And so a lot of times we have very successful people that really don't have a lot to contribute, but their business is really amazing. They're not, I mean, they don't have a lot to contribute to humanity, but Brian, you are definitely somebody um, that has the true heart, um, the true service heart, passion for helping people. Um, that's super clear. And so I hope that people will reach out to you. Um, because you have an awful lot to offer people from your experience um, in life and business. Um, truly a successful person. Anything else that we didn't cover that you think is important for our viewers and listeners to know about you? Yeah, you know, anybody listening to this, I hope what they got out of uh, hearing me speak is that if that guy can do it, I can do it. So, so just get in the game because only when you're in the game can you win. I love it. You know, that's honestly the hardest part of, of talking to people that are super successful because a lot of them, honestly, Brian, say that like, oh, anybody can do it. Look at me. Who am I? But in all reality, you know, you spend time with people like you and you realize it doesn't take more than five minutes talking to you to realize like, no, this guy is, is someone special. Well, yes, um, you are a person that did it. You have um, a unique skill set. Um, but also a, a unique um, heart and passion for what you do. That can't be taught. And I think that um, for anybody listening, if you have to be passionate about whatever it is that you're doing. And this is why I loved um, this interview. And I was excited to talk. I was like, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about cutting grass. And then you start looking at some of the numbers and you're like, wow, like that's pretty incredible. And then you realize like, hey, you have to actually fall in love with this idea of the service that you provide. And Brian found a unique way to do that because he found a way to help other people to be successful in their businesses, for example, in the multifamilies. Um, he found a way to help people to solve a problem and then even extended that. That was in his first business, extending that out even further through the app. And so if you find something that you're truly passionate about, that's when you get in the game and things start to line up for you. Um, it's one of those things where like, you're in the zone. You're like, man, nothing goes wrong. And Brian, you're a classic example of that. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This was one of my favorite podcasts. Um, I hope that people are truly inspired um, by what you've been able to create. And I hope that inspires them in whatever it is that they're passionate about to go out and do the exact same thing. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I want to thank you for tuning in each and every week. Next week, I promise I'm going to get Lacey back and we'll have another amazing guest. Can't wait to speak with them. Can't wait to share with you. Make sure that you like, subscribe. You do all the podcasty type things that you do to a podcast, just like downing Green Pow, downloading GreenPow. All of that stuff helps us as well, helps us to continue moving forward, helps us to know you're out there and that you're alive. Thank you so much. We'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast.